Hello, 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 hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Squad Up, a podcast all about games, games of all kinds. I am your host Eduardo and joining me on the squad today, as always, it's our friendly neighborhood Peaches. Peaches, what up man? What's up Eduardo? What's going on dude, how you been? Pretty good, how are you? Living the dream, man. Uh, had some real, real bad audio issues before the show, but we we vowed to be here, and we will be here for this show. I was uh, I was saying to our special guest that you were going to say hello three times, but then you said hello four times, and so I, I would have lost that bet. You know, I was trying to change it up, and I was trying to you know kind of like mix it up for once. But speaking of our guest. Finally, on the show, after I have uh, said his full name multiple times, it's Robbie. Robbie, what's going on, buddy? I'm still mute. No, yeah, hey. (laughs) Uh, How you doing? I'm happy to not be closing on Friday for once. Good for you, man. I'd be going good, man. I'd be going real good. Uh, (laughs) uh, So, uh, Robbie... uh, as you are new to the squad, you're, you're joining us, you have to be initiated in, you have to go through a set of trials and tribulations, not really, you just gotta do one thing, you gotta let us know what your top five games of all time are. Robbie, go. Did you know how hard this question is? Yes. So I'm gonna cheat, because my top three are the same franchise, and I find that boring, um, but I'd go Breath of the Wild, Ocarina of Time, and Majora's Mask for a Zelda trio at the top, but I'm going to call that one game so that this isn't boring. Um, Metroid Prime, Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate, Yoshi's Island, and the original Doom, but like I'm going to encompass that every Doom mod and all everything that's come since then. Is it a coincidence that almost every single one of those games is a Nintendo title? No. Doom, <laughs> sponsored by Nintendo. <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, I wanted the SNES port for Doom, and I'm really happy that I never paid money for that, because <laughs> I've played it since then. It was garbage. Nintendo would have censored the hell out of Doom. It they did. Fun. That's exactly what they did. All <laughs> the satanic imagery and stuff all brought out. Oh, hey, Doom, the most recent Doom is on the Switch in its full bloody glory. Yeah, and, and I've read a lot of people saying that it does a good job of capturing what Doom was supposed to be, so... Because I played Doom 3 and it made me angry. Uh, the most recent Doom was definitely, like, it had the spirit of Doom in it. Good. All right. Well, it sounds like, like a witch things. doctor. Why? I don't know. Just You had the spirit of Doom in you. Sounds like something a witch doctor would say. <laughs> you had the spirit of Doom in you. We've already found the title for the show. Good job, Peaches. <laughs> Dude, I'm like three for three. <laughs> Look at you go. All I'm right. on a street. All right, now that we've Wait, got... I... Wait, what's going on? I got to I got to I gotta ask why Breath of the Wild is Robbie's favorite of the Zelda games. Oh, please! It's number one game, and it's his favorite of the Zelda games, and that. So also, me. I will say, I don't say that with much confidence because a game, yes, it's been out for a year, but that's not. I feel like that's not really long enough for me to fully digest where a game sits. Because some someday I may hate it, but I doubt I hate it. But I just, it's been a long time since a game consumed me like that, and this made me constantly think about what everything in the game and want to find everything and I immediately booted it up to play it again after I did everything. I, I don't know. I, I just like someday it may slide down, but right now I just don't think I've had a game affect me like that. It'll slide down. Like it's raining near a mountain and you have to climb that mountain. Listen, you just gotta have good timing. <laughs> it's, it's you jump crawl, at the crawl, last crawl, second. jump, slide, 
crawl, 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 <laughs> jump, slide. That's true. I did master that. I still don't like that I had to do it. You know, there has, a- there's no gloves in the game that you could just. There's these are water resistant gloves. <laughs> you couldn't program that in. No, you just build up your stamina and deal with it. Oh. The second time I played through, I maxed all my stamina wills before I got a single heart. Same. Oh, that's gonna go into the audio file. Um, hold on a sec. What? <laughs> my computer made noises. Um, <laughs> so it's interesting that Breath of the Wild is your top choice. Um, mostly because while I played through Breath of the Wild and enjoyed Breath of the Wild, I didn't love it. Um, but I understand its transformative sort of place in video games and what it does for the medium and specifically for open world games. I understand that and I acknowledge it and it's absolutely true. But I think we're, we'll get into this later when we have our discussion about um, sort of the, 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 the best eras in video games. But I think um, we are currently in an era where video games are so subjective that you can have a game that is as transformative as Breath of the Wild and it can also be a game that people just didn't enjoy. Mm-hmm. There's just so much to choose from. I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll wait till later to talk about this, but never mind. Absolutely. All right. So okay. let's just let's just get into to, to how we always start the show. Let's talk about what's going on in the world of gaming. Waluigi time. Now, do you guys know what the Steam link is? I didn't until I read the show notes. Yeah, I, I've read about it a little bit over the years, and every now and then, every time I see an article, I read it, and I feel like I don't understand the point, and I back out of the article, and that's how I felt this time, too. So Steam Link is supposed to be this little box that you connect to your TV, essentially, and it will stream your PC games onto your TV. It's, you know, to give you that, I think uh, one of the things that Steam has tried to do over the years with, like, the Steam Box and the Steam Controller is sort of breach, like, bridge together the PC gaming community and the console gaming community. They want to be the all-in-one, right? They want you to use your PC to play games on your TV, as well as, like, sitting down at a PC. And I think this is just another, like, step for them um people seem to be really excited about it but like i can't think of a game that's not already on a mobile platform that i would want on a mobile platform like i don't need league of legends on my like ipad right mm-hmm. you can play the knockoff versions where they're like league of angels and they're all like right really busty female flying <laughs> angels i think what i mean is yeah, if a game, game <laughs> if a game feels like it fits on steam already or fits on the app store already it's most likely already on there like there are very few games where i'm like man i really wish i had this on my ipad mostly it's all already there and if not it's like a port coming like i, I don't i just don't think I, I just don't see the need yeah that's that's what i wasn't understanding i don't i don't if you got to connect it to your computer anyway, why aren't you playing your computer? Why are you going to play on your phone? What am I missing that's valuable to this? Is it because do people have systems that I'm ignoring for moving what's on your phone to your screen on your television? Um, well, that's what the original Steam Link does is it puts it on your television. So like it's that same concept, but I think the idea is it's like portability, right? So you've got the Nintendo switch, which has like the mm-hmm. fever that it has right now because of how portable it is. Um, and this is sort of trying to capitalize on that in a really weird way because it's not actually portable because you can't actually leave your house. Right. Right. I can think of a few games. It would be cool to have a steam link for, but mm-hmm. the amount of those games I can literally fit in one hand. And most right. of them are Jackbox games. Right. 
Cause it'd be cool to throw my Jackbox game on the TV so everybody can see it. We're all going to play along with our phones or the website anyway. And then everybody can see what's going on, you know? Yeah. But Jackbox is on basically every console ever. So if you yeah. like, I just can't, I don't, I can't think of the person that owns a gaming PC that doesn't also own a console, any console. Or wants to mm-hmm. like right. they have a PC cause mm-hmm. they don't need the console. Right, it just doesn't make any sense. Like they're, they're. I don't know. Maybe these people exist. Maybe they do. I don't know. Maybe it's you know, like a unicorn out there. I actually do know a lot of people that refuse to touch consoles and are major PC gamers, but none of them, I think, would want this. Like they want to sit in their dark room with their five-screen computer and play a PC game. So I don't think that appeals to. You know, you're right. They're unicorns. I know some of these unicorns, but I don't think they want this either. So I'm just missing something. Yeah, who is this for? You didn't mention that they have Doritos and Mountain Dew. It, yeah, Doritos, and they get all over their controllers. <laughs> oh, God. You're Gross. Me like, yeah, you're the, the, the heebie-jeebies. The WASD <laughs> keys are just orange. Ew. <laughs> you know what was made for someone? The Halo Arcade game that's coming out. That what was a, made for me. What a transition. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am not ashamed of it. Uh <laughs> Halo Arcade game. That was made for me. Uh, a Halo Arcade game sounds awesome, and I am all aboard the Halo Arcade hype train. Yo, uh, I never really loved Halo, and I was sitting here oh, with same. Robbie, and we were looking at the article and like saw the actual physical console that it's gonna be. It's, it's gonna be made, and I freaked out a little bit. Yeah, I don't love Halo, but I can love a really interesting. Like an ar- arcade is a different experience, and I think that'd be fantastic. Eduardo, we were paying attention. It's going to be in Dave and Buster's. As you know, there's one down the road from us. So you ought to uh, come down this summer and we can have a special podcast from the Halo booth. Oh, that sounds so awesome. <laughs> oh my gosh. Live from the Halo booth. Now, is it not... It's Eduardo, Peaches, and Robbie. <laughs> so is it not interesting that this... I mean, and this is this is an outlier. This is just one game that they're making into an arcade version. But isn't it interesting that we're sort of moving in reverse now? We, we had all these arcade right. games, they became console games, and all of a sudden, all of these really interesting properties are like, hey, why don't we put this back into the arcades? Oh, like, God, absolutely. That was my first response, is that, like, I, I'm old enough that I remember when arcades were really cool, and, like, I've, I've been kind of sad watching them die, and I saw this as maybe, like, pumping money and interest back into arcades. I love that. Well, it's interesting because the culture is there, right? So we we live, thankfully, in an era where geek and nerd culture is seeing like a resurgence, right? Not a resurgence. I guess like it's a it's just like awakening, right? Where people are like in mainstream media, thanks to like the Marvel properties and and video games, just in general, things like Fortnite and stuff. They're they're really kind of pushing this culture out into the norm, and with that culture comes these things like arcades and comic book stores and things like that. And so it makes sense. That we're going, hey, we love these social encounters, and now the mainstream population loves these social encounters. Why don't we bring back something that that you know used to be? That's why you see all these like beer and arcade bars like popping up, right? Um, because people are like clamoring for that now. Now that it's become a little bit more sort of acceptable. Yeah, that's the first thing that I actually the first thing I said out loud was, how cool would it be if Player One had the arcade Halo? I mean, you'd never be able to get on it. Because it would be completely booked all the time, but it would, would be really cool. So awesome, right? It'd be right down the street, mm-hmm. practically. I, I mean, not not for everybody, but you know, for me. 
Well, and like, so, okay, so I'm going to ask both of you a question. What one game that is out there would you like to see made into an arcade game? Oh, geez. That's a tough question because a lot of times shooters do really well as arcade. Like I think of, Mm -hmm. you always see some sort of shooter in an arcade, like um, House of Dead 2 is always there for some reason and like Terminator and this and that. So I think shooters apply really well to arcades. The first one that comes to mind for me, I don't know if you guys ever went to Disney Quest back when it was open. Yes. But they had that... 16 car wall where you'd sit down and everyone's in an actual NASCAR race against each other. And that was actually pretty fun. But I would say something like that, but like Overwatch, like make a arcade version of Overwatch where you, you, everyone's at their own individual console um, with a light gun. Like, I don't know if you've looked at how the Halo game is, but each person's got their own little, the light gun or ray gun or whatever. Um, But the same sort of thing, you know, you, pick your character and then it's just a timed overwatch match but with kind of arcade power behind it that could work with most most of the heroes you had me at overwatch <laughs> i know robbie bo- broke the blizzard bubble yeah you, you mentioned the blizzard robbie did it everyone it's cool if i talk about it robbie said it first <laughs> i think i would probably like something like bioshock multiplayer I think it would be really cool because I'm thinking of the Bioshock 2 multiplayer, which is basically Team Fortress multiplayer, but I I like the Bioshock aesthetic, so I will always go to Bioshock. Um, And it could be, you know, just like the Bioshock 2 multiplayer was, but you are standing up firing a real gun at something. There was, at the Living Seas, so I'm getting really nerdy and old here. (laughs) Living Seas, there used to be one of those big, diving suits you could get into the diving suit and you get to manipulate the arms so immediately what i picture is being in that and where the where the where the oh. dome would be instead of the screen and you're a big daddy oh my goodness <laughs> i so have cool. my answer <laughs> that sounds so cool um, i want to be a big daddy i think i would like to see some of these indie titles that don't like see like too much play from mainstream be ported into like arcade machines. Like, could you imagine like going to let's just say player one again? So you go to player one and there's a guacamole machine. Uh-huh. Right? You're speaking my language right now. Like a lot of these indie like side scrolling titles that sort of are trying to basically emulate that arcade experience. Why don't we like give them what they want? Put them in the arcades. People would play them. That's true. Like Simpsons and um, Streets of Rage and all those things are usually in arcades now anyway. Mm -hmm. It would just be a modernization of those Mm -hmm. games. Right, absolutely. I think, though, that those games, like, they hold hold true really well because people know over time, even if you're not a nerd, you've probably heard that there's a Simpsons arcade game because you probably went to Chuck E. Cheese when you were a kid and you saw it there. Um, so it's kind of got that like iconic history going for it. Whereas if I walked in and, you know, if I walked in and saw a guacamole arcade machine, I would crap my pants on the spot, but like most other people would walk in and go, what is that? You know? Well, so you kind of bring up what I think is another possible different answer, which is bring back one of those old style arcade four person brawlers, but in something that's popular now, like, I don't know, not adventure time or something like that something that's mm. popular now that you sit down and play a brawler or stand up and play a brawler pumping coins into it with your friends because that's the best experience like we talk about player one the video game bar out here and that's my favorite experience is there when i get three other people and we beat turtles in time it's, so something that with a modern 
property. Turtles in Time is so good. I like the X-Men one the best. So what, okay, I'm going to add a different answer too, because I've just thought about it. What about, and I don't play this game basically at all. I think I got it for free like a year or two ago on PlayStation Plus, but what about like an actual like sit down version of Rocket League where you're actually driving the car? Oh, that could be cool. You're like sitting next to your two other people. Right, right. uh, That are driving with you. And then there's three more on the other side of the, uh, of the bar. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That would be cool. Uh, I don't really care for Rocket League. Yeah, I'm gonna admit I don't even know what it is, but it's oh, it's classic. soccer with cars. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 like three v three. There's a giant ball in the middle of a soccer arena, and you oh. slam into it and you try to score goals. I find that appealing. Yeah, like a banana. Got him. Wait, <laughs> cars slip on bananas. That's what I learned from Mario Kart. <laughs> well, that's true. But um, if you break it just the right time. You whistle and you move on. Oh, that's true. That's what true. about a Mario Kart game where they gave you like there was like a little sh- like a little shoot next to you, and it was like you know those like oh. in like old mail rooms where they have those little things that kind of like <laughs> like the tubes. What if like oh every time God. you ran over an item, you got a tube that came down to you and it had an actual physical thing you could throw at someone? You could throw it at a person. <laughs> in real oh, life. Like Nerf green shell and yeah. bop the person next to you in the head. <laughs> Dude, that's the bit. Dude, we need to open this place. <laughs> We've got these great ideas pumping out. Who's I paying? Know. I know. Someone's going to listen royalties. to the show and take our idea. You know what? If you make that, that's cool. <laughs> I think I'd be cool with it. I wouldn't even be mad. Yeah, I know. As long as we got free entry for at least a week. Yeah. As long as I get to throw some shells at someone, I'd be cool with it. <laughs> You get the you star, you just start saying the star, like singing the star music really loudly in everyone's ear. Da, 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 da. <laughs> you, just, you just barrel into them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, I kind of want to go to like the beach since it's not far away, which I've never said before. And I want to pick up a bunch of shells and just have them in my pocket so I can throw them at people. Yeah. And in driving situations. But you were in first, so <laughs> sorry. You, you cut me off in Florida traffic, I'll throw a shell at you. Drive around, there's turtles. Pick up an actual turtle. And... <laughs> I almost hit one the other day. I could never do that. I could never throw a real it turtle. It feels so bad. They're so cute. Oh my goodness. All right, moving on. So <laughs> now that this has gone to throwing turtles at people. I like so, turtles. Call of Duty Black Ops 4. Um, it was announced. That's not why I put it on here. So that we can talk about that, but it's, I don't we think that's... We talked about that part. Right. I don't think that's that much of a surprise to literally anyone. Um, no. What the real th- surprise is, it's gonna on PC, it's going to exclusively be on the Battle.net launcher, um, which... Uh, follows in suit with the other Activision property that's on there, Destiny 2. Now, here's a question I pose to you guys. So, Steam is sort of the, the, the king of online video games, right? No one else, no other company could ever touch Valve when it comes to these online video game marketplace. Like, Steam basically has a, has a, has a lock hold on that market. If there was going to be one other company that could rival them... Don't you think it would be Activision Blizzard, and do you think that's the direction they're heading? Um, yes, I we've had this conversation before, long before the podcast was even a twinkle in your eye, and 
Um, I thought that you were onto something when we thought that Destiny 2 was going to blow up, and then it blew up in not the good way. (laughs) And uh, I'm not so sure anymore. I think if they can put enough titles on the Blizzard launcher that will get people interested in downloading it just to download those other games, maybe. But I think that Steam slash valve whatever you want to call them in this instance i think they've kind of got the lock on that like most people know about steam and rely on it for for game access outside of you know ways that they have to like like i can't go and get breath of the wild on steam obviously but like most other things i'm gonna check oh is that on steam Mm -hmm. because i already know i have a library that i can download whenever and it's reliable and i've got you know i might already have money in my steam account you know, reason X, Y, Z. So I don't know. I think they'd have to put enough titles on there that are actually going to stick before it becomes a rival. And they need to be exclusive. Yeah. I think Destiny 2 could have been that if it was actually, you know, what they wanted it to be. Um, Now, when we get to talking about what we've been playing here in a sec, I forgot to write that in the show notes, so we're going to talk about that. Um, No. (laughs) I'll talk about uh, Destiny 2 here in a little bit. Um, but it, Destiny Two could have been that game for them. I think that would have. I think, like, I agree with you. I think it would have gone. But I honestly, you know what? I think I think they're on the right track. I think it's it makes sense from a money perspective. So when you put a game onto Steam, Steam takes thirty percent. Now think about Call of Duty, and even still to this day, the millions of copies that it sells. Imagine having thirty more percent of that revenue. Or at, let me let me say it a different way. Let me say it not having 30% of that revenue given to someone else. I didn't know that Steam did that. Yeah, they take a cut to like be able to put it onto your launcher or onto uh, Steam. That makes sense, honestly, with how popular they are. Yeah, that's how they make their money, man. <laughs> Why do you think there's no Half-Life 3? You don't know that there's no Half-Life 3. There's no Half-Life 3. Any of you think there's Half-Life 3, you're stupid. Listen, there's still no Kingdom Hearts 3. Hey, we actually had breaking news, everyone. We actually had a development on this just today. So they had some sort of conference um, at Square Enix and people got to play Kingdom Hearts 3 today. Yeah, but did they? Because that could have been like a Truman Show situation where like we thought they were playing Kingdom Hearts. We didn't really learn anything new from the pictures we saw other than like Wreck-It Ralph is in it. We are going to get the announcement of the release date sometime next month. Yeah, you know what it's, the announcement's going to be? 2025. <laughs> yeah. Back in my day, we had Kingdom Hearts 2. <laughs> wow. Roxas. <laughs> wow. What? Why is Owen Wilson in Kingdom Hearts? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's their new character tie-in. Kingdom Hearts 3, you're going to go to a Wedding Crashers world. and No, Owen... no, dude. You're, you're missing it. Voice? No, no. You're missing it all. He's already Lightning McQueen. Yeah, but oh, but how dumb would it be if Sora and Donald and Goofy were cars? No, but how great would it be oh, if they just kind of they just kind of slid that in there? Like, oh, he just goes, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you and I think that'd be boring. You know how many people love cars? Just look, it's cars. Yeah, but oh god, I would hate it. I would hate it so much. But what I if, would like hearing Owen Wilson say wow in a Kingdom Hearts game. What if only Sora became a car and Goofy and Donald rode in the car and it got super weird? No, that's... Have you seen Cars? The Cars are the humans in the Cars universe. Yeah, but what if Sora and Donald, it just didn't work for them and they just stayed the way they were? There's seats in them. 
What if Donald's like a traffic cone and Goofy is a stop sign? <laughs> Goofy is whatever Mater is, but just as stupid. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fair. Did you guys see that in this demo, the uh, they used text based on the Mad Tea Party, Big Thunder Mountain, Pirates of the Caribbean, and Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin? I yes. didn't see the Pirates yeah. one. I didn't. What did I miss? Pirates one. Oh, Pirate Ship. Inspired by a pirate ship. It also says inspired by the vessel from Frontierland. I'll leave that alone. Oh, the vessel from Frontierland. Yeah, you know the pirate ship in Frontierland. <laughs> um, and we have made this rafts? podcast extremely esoteric now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know they're probably thinking of the sailing ship Columbia. These are Californians. Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, it's interesting that they're using um, that they're using theme park properties in a video game now like we're we're past like the disney fandom is past the point of meta right like right we've got we've got the <laughs> right. movies no nope, let's just throw the let's just throw the uh pretty soon you're gonna see like sora talking to bob Iger. like yeah kingdom hearts 4 your companions are not disney characters like famous imagineers and i want him to summon a meet and greet <laughs> Like he summons Cinderella and then the Heartless all line up to meet her with autograph books. That's how they, <laughs> that's how they defeat the Heartless. Oh, that's how you get a heart, by meeting Cinderella. Yeah, there you go. Oh. <laughs> oh. And I'm not saying, because Cinderella was already in the Kingdom Hearts series. I'm talking a human. No. Right, you right. summon a person dressed up as Cinderella <laughs> right. to Let's meet see. the Heartless. <laughs> It's kind of like Cinderella, but not exactly. Right, like her like, nose is a little weird. And, you know, depending on which coast you're playing on, like if you're if you're a West Coast player, then it's actually a really good Cinderella. But if you're an East Coast player, it's like, man, <laughs> this is the Cinderella we were able to get to come to work today. Yeah, she she didn't call in. We used her. Uh, now, I said we were going to talk about her. What? I said, is this too work-centric? No, work. no one knows where I work. That's true. <laughs> we haven't talked about delivering a piece of mail once. That's true. <laughs> uh, that's why we're not going to talk about what I do for a living. Guess you guys know what that is now. Um, I'm Cinderella. <laughs> so, gentlemen, what have you been playing? What have you guys been? Uh, what have you guys been up to in the gaming world? What have you been experiencing? Um, I played a fun game all week called Dental Pain. Mm, um, if you're not fun. aware how of how Dental Pain works, this is the this is a spoiler alert for the. The tutorial of dental pain. Um, you're at a bar at a beer event drinking lots of beer and then half of your tooth falls out of your mouth and lands on the floor of the bar. Classic. So what you do, yeah, what the main character did was he panicked a lot uh, and then spent the rest of the week at the dentist uh, getting root canal work and, and other things that I just admitted on a podcast. So... <laughs> What I've been playing other than that was the Link to the Past randomizer. End of game list. Wow, amazing. You don't want to play that dentist game. Just take care of your teeth, everyone. This is a PSA. Always take care of your teeth. What about you, Robbie? What have you been, uh, what have you been partaking in? So last week I realized that in the entire time I've had my uh, SNES Minio, SNES Classic Mini, I never turned on Link to the Past just because I played it so much. And I finally decided to correct that. And I played through Link to the Past, just like Zach for a week, except for not randomized. And then once I beat that... Hmm? Peaches. 
Two weeks in a row. Peaches. Peaches. Uh, Yeah, just like Peaches. I I was playing through Link to the Past, just not randomized. Um, I beat that. I decided I wanted to play through Link's Awakening 2. Made it through Link's Awakening. Realized I had not used my DS to pick up street passes in like a year. So I decided, hey, let's go to McDonald's and bring the DS to work and get some street passes. Nothing. So, hey, Street Pass is dead. I found that out. <laughs> street Pass is dead. <laughs> Thank you, Switch. Uh, I didn't write this in here, but you know what else is dead? The PS Vita. They have officially said they're not making any more PS Vita games. Um, which means nothing to us here, but apparently yeah, right PS Vita is like a big deal in Japan. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had one of the... Some version of Monster Hunters on it, and it works very, very well. So they... like mon- We'll talk about this later, but... Monster Hunters, like absurd in japan and so they just take their ps vita with whichever monster hunter it is and just sit on the subway and play monster hunter against each other and i just get jealous now robbie this is pretty self-serving of me but have you heard of dauntless no so dauntless is a free-to-play monster hunter type game coming out on the pc it will be an open beta here in the next six days and we should all play it all right yeah, we're going to play it because it's free, if nothing else. Correct. Yeah. Um, also, have you tried Monster Hunter World at all? I have not. Um, it's not... When's it coming on PC? Because I don't have a, I don't have a, a PlayStation. Uh, um, not till like August or September. Yeah, I think it was September was what I saw. Um, but I'll tell you, I've considered getting a PlayStation for it. My original reaction was that it's Monster Hunter casualized. I wasn't excited about that. I'm still a little worried about that, but a lot of those fears have kind of been, you know, um, killed since watching it. It still looks appealing to me. You know, it's interesting because I believe, so you had Destiny, the Destiny community, right? And the Destiny community basically split in half. Half of them went over and started playing Warframe, and the other half went over and started playing Monster Hunter World because that's the the next closest thing. Because players of that game like to like grind out, you know, different loot and different experience. They like that sort of loot progression. And yeah, Monster Hunter sort of gave it to them. Turners. Yeah, absolutely. Um so, have you been playing any board games? Oh, of course. Such as? Well, my roommate from college and I have been playing Twilight Struggle um, basically on repeat, repeat. Every time we finish a game, we start another one. Um, he hasn't beaten me yet, and I feel really bad. <laughs> I've started giving him extra influence to start the game, and he still hasn't beaten me, and I still feel really bad. Except for, nope, he beat me once when I wasn't paying attention, and I started... Global thermonuclear war when I was going to win. But other than that... Um, Only you know why that's funny. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> no, okay. I was, so the game, you're the Cold War, and I was the USSR. And the whole point is to win through economics and subterfuge and not start a nuclear war. If you start a nuclear war, you win, and I did that. Um, and then I've been playing Soul Keen, the mind calendar with uh, my wife. The game's fun. It is. I'm really bad at it. It has a giant turning mechanism on it, so it's fun to watch, too. Yeah, for anyone listening that's interested in fun board games, it's a really smart game, and Zach's right. Like Peaches each, is right. Peaches is right. <laughs> <laughs> Should have made me practice this like for an hour before I came over. Yeah. And you just, each turn, you spin a gear, and so everyone's little pieces, you have to plan ahead where your piece is going to be in the future. 
So a buddy of mine was talking about this um, Dark Souls board game, and he's a buddy of mine from work, and so I'm, I'm hoping to go play it with him, but he was telling me about this mechanic they have where you do fight like bosses like you do in Dark Souls, and there's this like boss deck, and you shuffle it, and then each of its moves you kind of reveal, and you have to like react to it. And when you finish with the deck, you don't shuffle it and redraw, you just turn it over and start again. So it's basically like you have to learn the boss to then beat the boss. So how, how often do people not win that game? I don't know. I'm going to play it soon, so we're going to find out. Okay, good. I've heard good things about games. it. Yeah, I've heard what? good things too, so I'm excited. What have you been playing? You're being secretive about it. Oh, what have I been playing? Okay, so I've been playing Destiny 2. Why? <laughs> okay, so... Yeah, I... Okay, look. I know we don't have lots of good things to say about Destiny on a week-to-week basis, but I still have fond memories of the first Destiny. I've already paid for the Destiny 2 content. I'm at least going to experience that content. And honestly, this new expansion, not bad. Uh, I seem to find myself enjoying it, enjoying the grind a little bit. They've definitely spaced it out more so you're not like immediately powerful in the first week like we were and like kind of like ran out of things to do it seems like they're heading the right direction and since i've already paid for it it seems like something to do i've been looking for an ever-present sort of world to be in um i've been missing wow but wow is kind of at the end of its life cycle with legion and um there's not really a lot else i could play warframe if i really wanted to but uh, whatever um and so i've just been kind of like grinding through destiny that's that's it yeah, I mean, look, it's the the expansion is good. Um, I, at least I think so. I think it's a fun expansion. I think if you like Destiny, you'll enjoy the expansion, and if you don't like Destiny, you'll hate it like you hated Destiny too. That's fair, I guess. I mean, I still need to at least try it too, since I paid for it. But now, I haven't logged in in months. I will admit, getting through the first expansion they put out was a chore. That first expansion is not great. Second what did they one, add in that? a lot better. I don't remember. Honestly, there was some weird Vex thing where you went through like a... It was supposed to be like a procedurally generated thing so you could replay it over and over again, but they didn't add enough assets, so it it felt like you were playing the same thing over and over again. Oh, fun. Right. So that didn't work out. And Uh. we can talk a little bit about it now, Peaches, but you and I are actually starting our very first ever D&D campaign. Yeah, we are. Um, we're we, super nerdy. We have a, a small group, and we're all super psyched about it. Um, we're, like, super ready. Lewis, who's been on the show, and Cody, who's been on the show, are both in it. Um, Lewis will be DMing. Cody will be playing a half-elf ranger, ranger. right? Half-elf yeah, ranger. ranger. Uh, we've got another buddy of ours who's playing a half-elf um Bard, and he is brothers with Cody. They're not actually brothers, but in the campaign, they're brothers. Uh, Peaches, what are you? I will be a dwarven fighter. A dwarven fighter, and I will be a tiefling warlock. And we are all super excited. We all know that we didn't need to buy handbooks, but we bought them anyway. Don't tell my wife. Um, and we bought dice, and we're all like super, super, super psyched to play. So be on the lookout for that. We're going to talk about it more. We'll probably do an episode just on D&D after we've played and we get our experiences down. Um, so be on the lookout for that. But if any of you guys yeah. have any like input on D&D or want to talk about D&D, or if you want to hear about D&D, let us know, because we'll talk about it at length, especially from our noob perspective. 
Yeah, I've already got a small handful of people that join me on my stream every so often that have said that they would like to see us do D&D live, like <laughs> on stream. Yeah, it's crazy. So if you guys, if any of you listeners out there are, are also interested in this, please let us know because we already have a small a small group of people saying they're interested and we just kind of want to get input on that. But yeah, you know, not only live, but we could also, uh, yeah, we could also record it. Absolutely. So um, be a good time. Yeah, absolutely. I, agree. Yeah, I was supposed to get my dice today. You know, what is what did not show up at my house. Your dice, the dice. That's really sad. That's all I've heard about. I'm really sad. Did it say it was delivered? Or did you just not? No, I said it was supposed to deliver by today. So I don't know. Maybe they got hit by a bus or something. Hey, man, it's only eight eleven. Don't they have until like nine to deliver? That's true. What so, are your dice? What's um, your pick? The, are they interesting in any way? Or oh, <laughs> I was like trying to think of a smart ass answer. No, there's. <laughs> it's just a set of six polyhedral oh, okay. dice. Yeah, because yeah, my wife's got just stacks of D and D dice of all forms in her. Did you guys her, play? She does. I played once. It's not. I think I'm more into game and less role play. Okay. But uh, I'll still really be interested to hear y'all's thoughts. My That's goodness. a really good transition. I was about to say the exact <laughs> same thing. Oh my goodness! I was like, I what, what a fantastic segue. Wow, that was great. Wow. Now we're ruining it by like, you know, freaking out about it. And he can edit this. All right. He won't. I won't. <laughs> I will not edit this. This is all going in there. All right, Robbie. So I brought you on the show. I wanted to talk to you. Uh, you you can look in the show notes. You can see I have I have copy and pasted a small quote from you that you probably never expected anyone to even bring up because it was on some post where you stated your unpopular opinion. And this unpopular opinion got me so riled up that from the inception <laughs> of this show, I have said we're going to do an episode talking about this one particular opinion. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so... Uh, let me just read it. I'll read it for the audience. Uh, Robbie Griffin, on this unpopular uh, opinion post, said, and I quote, The quality of video games has been in, in a near steady decline with only brief blips of improvement since the mid-90s. And man, I couldn't disagree more, but you know what? We're a fair show. I'm going to let you come in here and, and explain yourself and explain why you think that, or even if you do still think that. So I definitely still think that. But I will say that doesn't mean I would go back because every now and then there is a game that uses modern technology. Well, I'm happy I have that game and I can still go back and play my old games. But if you look at the games around the early 90s, before basically before you added a Z axis to video games, there was so much more creativity in and just imagination that went into what you're going into the game. And kind of like we just talked about with RPGs. It was about the game. It was not about cutscenes and quick time events. And it wasn't about holding your hand through. Um, the game showed you it showed itself as a game. And it had a pretty wrapper, you know, nice graphics and, and, and good music. And those things all matter. But the, the core and the soul was the game itself. And there was challenge to it. And there was allowing the player to figure out what he was doing on his own um, and allowed her to discover the mechanics of the game. And there's this reward system just built into those old games as you would start to 
you know, kind of touch its edges and figure out what you could do with the game that I feel like very few games do now because they've just become these, almost like the same way Hollywood does, these big polished events that are about, you know, meeting the lowest common denominator and just getting to as many people as possible and about the visual appeal and the spectacle and allowing you to feel like you're having a victory even if you didn't get there. And I know you kind of agree with exactly where I'm going with this because we talked about it. And the one I think about the most is... Um, the uh, the Middle Earth game, um, Shadow of Mordor, and that game ends on a quickdom event. There's some good features in that game. They use technology very well, but it never actually challenges you. It allows you to, anytime you have a failure, you get to immediately pick up where you were and you just get to start again. And at the end of the game, as long as you hit the buttons in the right order, you're going to win the little cutscene that ends the game, and there's no real reward or challenge to the end of that. And I will add because we talked about Breath of the Wild being the first, and something I'll point out is, yes, that's an exception. Like, my favorite game of all time is one that's a little more than a year old, I think. But Breath of the Wild takes its, kind of its marks and its points from an old game. The Zelda game that Breath of the Wild has the most in common with is the original Legend of Zelda on the NES, where it allows you just to trial and error your way through the world, have your own failures, have your own victories, if you want to stand up to a Lionel when you're not ready to, you can find out and, you know, get your ass kicked, but you've learned a lesson and you will go somewhere else. And you're, there is some growth to gear, but most of your growth is you're learning the rules of the game. And I think that's something that's been lost with each generation since then. Doesn't mean there hasn't been good games. It just means I think the overall quality has dropped. Now, Robbie, let me ask you something. Mm -hmm. Do you know what RPG stands for? Role-playing game. <laughs> role-playing game. So the basis of your argument is that back then, role-playing games were not, in fact, role-playing games. They were games meant to challenge skill um, and challenge, challenge sort of the player. But as role-playing games have evolved into role-playing games, you see that as a negative, if I'm being... Is that correct? Not necessarily, because I actually don't like old role-playing games either. Like, I'm, I'm not a big Final Fantasy fan. I'm not a big... So... Get out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, here's the thing. So... While I agree with you, and like we can make, and we can probably just say it now so somebody else doesn't say it, we are both very different gamers. Now, let me start this by saying, even with Peaches, Peaches and I are, uh, Peaches is probably more in the middle. You are on one side and I am on the other, whereas Peaches sort of kind of lies in the middle. On a lot of games, if I find the game too um, difficult, I immediately turn the difficulty down. And it is because what I am looking for out of that game is different than what you are looking for. For me, I wish you saw the face that he just made absolutely and sorry you know what <laughs> you know I'm sorry to interrupt. i i do i do absolutely um if i game i find game too difficult i'll turn the difficulty down because what i'm looking for is the experience i am looking to submerge myself in a world take the most recent god of war the most recent god of war is the most submerged in a world that i've been since probably 
I want to say one of the Uncharted games. I know I've heard Horizon Zero Dawn is like this, but the last game that really, really took me like this, I think probably was Bioshock Infinite. And it was this this submersion in this world where I didn't want to break that flow. Like for me, a good game doesn't break the flow. It doesn't ever let me realize that I am playing a game. It lets me play an experience. And to some, that's not great. Now, that's not to say that I enjoy the Telltale games because I haven't been able to sit through one Telltale game. Like, uh, like The Walking Dead the Batman one. Although I've tried to play the Batman one a couple times because I just like Batman, but I can't get through those games. Like they can't be that easy. Um, but I, I like a seamless experience and I don't think that games need to be defined by their difficulty. I mean, and I think, um, that might be an issue for some gamers. Like I'm going to bring peaches up right now. Uh, I feel bad for calling you out, but peaches, hello. When peaches first started playing the God of War games, he played it on the hard mode, which was the second hardest difficulty. You'll say it has like a easy, regular, hard and expert. And he was getting his ass kicked on the hard mode and it was having like a really, really unenjoyable experience because of it. Um, whether, whether that's the game's fault <coughs> or the fault of the uh, of the difficulty, that's to be determined. Um, but I do think that when he scaled down the difficulty, he had a more enjoyable experience. And now that he's played through it, he's able to scale it up and kind of enjoy the game more in that sense. I mean, I, I I'm like nodding my head while both of you are talking because, <laughs> as you, as you said, I'm the I'm the kind of person that's like very agreeable for the most part. Like I, I can go in both directions on a lot of diverse opinions of the world. I feel like I find, uh, do a pretty good job of having objective thinking, uh, ego boosting aside. Um, I agree with Robbie and I agree with you. The, the, the very game that I was thinking of when Robbie was describing games that kind of, um, they don't baby you, you know, they let you learn the tutorial on your own, but they do it in an effective way. And those were older games. The very first thing I thought of was Mega Man X. Yep. You, mm -hmm. there's an amazing, I don't remember who did this. There's a video on YouTube. If I can it's find Ego it. Raptor. Ego Raptor. Yes. A guy named Ego Raptor has a video on YouTube and I'll put it in the description for the show so that anybody that wants to listen to this can. Um, he has this 20 minute YouTube video about the brilliance of the tutorial of Mega Man X where the game does not baby you. It teaches you how to play by putting you in situations that require you to experiment or you will die. And the first level is not hard. You typically won't die. But for example, you... Eduardo's wife died. I watched her. Several times. Oh, no. oh in Mega Man X? <laughs> yeah. Dude, I got really scared for a second. She wanted to be like, shouted oh. out in the show, so here we go. Not Braley. <laughs> Rest in peace. Anyways... Um, so if you've never played Mega Man X before, you probably don't know that he can wall jump. Um, but there's a point in the tutorial where you fight this mini boss. That's like a giant mechanical bee. And when you defeat him, the ground below him collapses, the highway below him collapses and you fall down like a couple feet, maybe 10, 20 feet. And there's seemingly no way to get out of that pit, right? Well, you have to start experimenting or you have to turn the game off. That's the only way to progress. And you learn because of the way they set up that fight that Mega Man can wall jump. So now that's a skill that you've learned and you can apply that to the next stages of the game, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like even one of the first enemies you see on the screen shoots at two different levels to teach you to jump, to dodge attacks. Mm -hmm. um, that mini boss you were just talking about drops off enemies 
where shooting, shooting them at your standing level doesn't hit them. So you've got to learn that enemies have weak points. Mm -hmm. And like, that's a great example. Men of Man's X might be the best example for exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and Peach has got to that, which is not just, I'm not just talking raw difficult because like punishing you super, super meat boy style just to make you angry isn't all I'm looking for, but I'm, I'm looking for the game to allow me to learn its limits and allow me to feel the reward instead of, you know, okay, press X, dodge this now. Oh, too bad. Try again. Press X, dodge now. You know, quick time events and, and, and on rails and telling you your button inputs, when to do them and why, and, and being forgiving of that. I want the game to allow you that trial and error. I thought Breath of the Wild did that a great job. I thought, you know, looking at another recent game that's on my top five that you asked of that's, that I loved a lot, it's Monster Hunter. Yes, Monster Hunter is pretty brutally difficult, but it never really tells you, it never flashes the monster's weak point. It never slows the game down into a bullet time event. It doesn't do anything like that. You just fight the thing that's several, several times larger than you, and you learn. You learn the way your weapon impacts it and what it reacts to, and you learn its tells to know which attacks are coming. And when you finally kill something that's wiped the floor with you the first 20 times you tried, and then as that thing gets easier and easier, as you just start to commit knowing what its, its habits are and its behaviors and its movements and its weak points, just from your own trial and error and education, I just find that so much more rewarding and game-like. And I guess I don't go into the games for their stories and how they convey those, even though I can't appreciate a really good story. Majora's Mask is the most story-driven Zelda, and it's in my top three there. But I like that as like, you know, uh, the, the dressing for a game that is challenging me as a game. I don't want to. I don't want to seem though like I'm all on Robbie's side either, because mm -hmm. what you said, Eduardo, and we talked about this last week too, was uh, about God of War. Like I've already admitted to that, so you don't need to feel like you're embarrassing me about having to turn the difficulty down. Like it's <laughs> a moment, but like. I, I didn't want, I mean, I, I was talking to you about it before I switched the difficulty down to normal. I didn't want to do it because I felt like I was giving up and I was doing it on a live stream, right? So I didn't want to show people that I was giving up either. But like, you're right in that regard too, where like, it became so difficult mm -hmm. for me that I was not enjoying it anymore. And if I'm not enjoying the game, like, why am I playing it? You know, sure. like there are, there are certain times where, you might be doing something in a game that you don't necessarily enjoy. Like even in my favorite game of all time, Bioshock, I don't like one of the levels. There's one of the levels in the game that every time I play through Bioshock and I get to that level, I'm just like pushing through until I get past that level so that I can enjoy the rest of the game. And the time has the water temple. Yeah. Water temple. <laughs> I mean, I, here's the thing. Another thing I'm going to admit on this podcast, I've never played Ocarina of time, yeah. but uh, Get out only, of your house. I've only, <laughs> I've only heard bad things about the Water Temple, right? But people still love that game. They just have to push through that level. So mm -hmm. I agree where it's it's nice at some points to just worry about enjoying the game and not worrying about the difficulty as well. Um, because once I turned God of War down a notch, it became much more enjoyable. And so I don't know. I, I agree with both of you, but I think I have my own reason for agreeing with both of you. Well, and... I feel like that's a fair point, and I have not played God of War. 
God of War. And I will say that kind of the people I know online whose kind of um, tastes I align with say are saying really good things about the new God of War. Oh, so there like might it. be there might be what I think is fair use of difficulty level and challenge. I think what frustrates me a lot with a modern game is they don't allow you often those choices. They don't allow you. Um, let's take Arkham City, a game I actually, and you and I have talked about this, Peaches, a game I actually like, but one of my gripes about that game is how often your failure is really just punished with, now start right back where you were and try again. Now that game's good enough, it makes up for that. But I would have liked it more if I really felt some fear that when I'm trying something, I will be penalized for failing. That there's maybe some some edge and and being able to vary that edge is fine but some edge to what i'm running into and instead that game just spent a lot of time and again i still like it but it spent a lot of time guiding me towards no no no, do this this time instead of allowing me to experiment as much as i would like every now and then it would tell you no no no, you use your grappling hook here okay my bad. I, I have a thousand tools. I would have liked trying all of them, but I will now this time do what you told me to do. Yeah. You know, maybe I would have noticed that or some of these things a lot more if Mark Hamill's performance in that game wasn't just absolutely incredible. Yes. And maybe, maybe that's where the game like really like just kind of sweeps the it's like uh, deficiencies under the rug because Mark Hamill just puts the game on his back and like carries it to the finish line. He's bringing the story element back in, folks. Uh, That's absolutely. what I feel about Last Jedi. <laughs> I mean, he does. Mark Hamill does carry that on his back too. Um, now, Robbie, have you played any of the Souls games? I have played some Dark Souls. Um, I have it for PC, but that PC port is garbage. Um, I played through it on the Xbox, got pretty far, and then ended up losing access to that Xbox. They are clearly games built with me in mind. So when the switch comes out, I'm or not when the switch comes out. When the switch comes to my home, um, I'm intending to get the Dark Souls remastered because those are absolutely up my alley. Pause. Yeah. Inquiring minds want to know why the PC port sucks. So because I am this is going to trigger this. you so hard, Peaches. Yay! When they ported Dark Souls to PlayStation and PC, or maybe been ported when it was ported to Xbox, but whatever. All they did was they took the original port, gave it, or the original game, yeah. gave it to another third party that just bare minimum slapped it on to the point that it gives you Xbox controller icons if you're playing on the PlayStation. And yeah. Um, That's lazy. Suboptimal controller mapping, horrible graphics. There's a nice patch for the graphics on the PC that helps a bit. But like, and I'm not a graphics guy, but I'm talking what you're looking at is unrecognizable at this point. So it was just a really, really lazy port from a company that just from software didn't have the experience with it, but they decided our game is popular and good. Let's port it. And just the port is garbage. And as I understand it, remastered is supposed to make up for that. It's supposed to be now with some experience, we're going to do better ports, but okay. Yeah. Third party bare minimum nonsense. Well, I have the Switch, so that's probably what I'll get it on anyway. Well, it's important. It will come out for the PC remastered as well. But Oh, good, good. Honestly, if you're not going to stream it, just get it for your Switch. Because honestly, if you can get something for the Switch, you should get it on your Switch. That's true. Yeah. One, maybe one day I'll be able to stream with my Switch, too. I'll get a capture card or something. Ooh, that sounds dope. Honestly, just everything on my Switch. I just love my Switch so much. Maybe we could honestly do a whole episode just on how great the Switch is. Um, 
but let's get back to the topic at hand. So we're talking yeah, about sorry. video games, we're talking about difficulty, we're talking about about um, Robbie has stated multiple times that he, he likes to sort of that challenge and sort of the way these games are built, and he keeps that in mind. At least for me, the way that I play games is I don't, I try not to keep any of that in mind almost. Um, I try to, I'm trying to think back to the first really narratively driven game that I played that really sort of brought me in um, to the world. And it's, it's going to sound really strange, but it was Tekken Tag Tournament. And you're going to say, it's like, that makes no sense, right? So it's like a fighting game. It doesn't make any sense. Um, but it has this really, the Tekken games have this really deep story behind them. And it was a, a story that I had to like look for the story. Like it's not one of those where the story is like splayed out to you. You have to play the game and then you get like small cutscenes and like little files and you have to read things. And so you have to absorb the story that way rather than just like play it. And so when these games started developing into more story driven content, um, I found myself enjoying it significantly more. I remember Tekken Tag Tournament, but I was mostly just playing as that breakdancing dude. Oh, <laughs> uh, dude, Eddie. Yeah, he's Eddie Gordo, right? Um, but I think... Eduardo? Eduardo's the breakdancing guy. Eduardo, the, the breakdancer guy, that's me. With with dreads. I wish. I you had dreads, Eduardo. Classic Eduardo with dreads. Man. <laughs> so, Eduardo, I know this. the answer, but I'm going to ask this anyway. Go for it. Because my own top five plus two games are just staring me in the face. But have you played Metroid Prime? I have played a very small amount of Metroid okay. Prime, but never finished it. Because, uh, when it, go ahead. When I first had my GameCube, I had never played an FPS before, and my eyes had not adjusted to playing an FPS, and I actually got, like, really sick playing it, so I didn't play it ever. So, the good Metroid games, not all the Metroid games, the good Metroid games, Metroid Prime, um... Super Metroid in a 16-bit fashion, but same way. They do what I feel like you you are describing you would like, whereas you are that narrative is there where when you're looking for it. Because one of the things that Metroid Prime does really well that makes me like it is there's tons of lore. There's tons of every bit around you adds to the story and the background of the world you're on. And you have you have this cool, you played it, you have the visor, you can scan what's around you and learn about the world around you. Or you could just say, screw that and beat the game. And so you, I've played through it several times and usually I say, screw that and play the game. But the way it makes the world subtle instead of being in your face, instead of, okay, stop and watch a five minute cutscene, instead of allowing you to personally discover, um, I feel like that's sounding like where our interests might cross, where for me it's, it's an option where the game rewards you. And for you, it's something where that narrative is there and you're, you get to look for it. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, that's not to say that I don't enjoy games that where the narrative is just there, but absolutely, these games where you kind of have to look for the narrative. Now, Robbie, The Witcher 3 is on my top five games of all time, and it is as close to Breath of the Wild, but different from Breath of the Wild as a game can be. It is narratively focused with a gigantic open world where every quest that you do is voice acted. Everything has like a significant story to it. Everything has a sort of a purpose. The way that you can tackle challenges a lot of the times are different because you've all of these different powers. So it's a game that I'm, I'm going to suggest to you and why, why I enjoy it so much is because it, it does the same things I think as Breath of the Wild that it does so well, but in a different way and in a way that sort of steers itself to something that I would like to play that's got that, that large narrative focus how would you compare it to like arkham city because that's your description sounds like kind of that sort of game uh i think witcher 3 is 
miles ahead of Arkham City. Um, as far as its integration into a, a, a large world and um, as far as its ability to give you more more than one choice. You make several choices in that game and the choices have consequences as far as characters even living or dying later on in the game. So I like that because I like when your choices have some reason um, and I really like what... Again, in Arkham City, one of the things I like that, and this is where I will give you some, I'll, I'll give some room to your argument. This is where games have gotten better, is the ability to allow you to choose how you're going to approach something. I think one of the best examples of that is in, in Peach's favorite game, in Bioshock. When I fell in love with that game, and, and again, there are modern gaming conventions I hate in that game, like the, the, the hacking re, and the revitalized chambers. I spent too long in that game before I realized I could turn those off. Yeah. Because yeah. those just allowed me no, there's no real tons of room for error, no consequence. Yeah. But but what I liked about that game is the big daddies are not. This is how you beat a big daddy. It's like okay, here's your environment, here's your tools. Choose how you want to kill this thing. Do you want to put a bunch of of electric trip wires in its way and get it to chase you, or do do you want to? The first big daddy I took down when I realized that was a thing was actually I found myself in ductwork and just kept dropping explosives on it. And it took it forever, but I liked that I could do that. So that's one thing you're saying that appears to me about Witcher, Witcher pardon me, is being able to choose how you're going to approach something. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think games just in general nowadays are doing this now. I think that we are in a modern renaissance for video games. I think while the SNES was sort of the height of the 2D graphic era, I think we're starting to reach the height of the 3D graphic era. I think games like God of War are a true sort of meeting in the middle. Like, I think you would love that game. I think most people would love that game. While it does have a lot of the same conventions that you don't like, I think it does have sort of this, like, uh, challenging aspect to it. It is a narratively-driven game, and it is honestly phenomenal. It is cinematic in almost every way possible, and it's it's interesting because it, it, it sort of meets in the middle from these two worlds, and it's it does something that I didn't think games could do anymore, and it surprised me um, with 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 its sort of, its, its entire path Package, but together it's in this weird open world that is sort of open but not open but still open and that's it's really hard to explain but it's you're just gonna have to experience it yeah it's true you can do a little bit of exploring like in between the linear bits okay it's like the best way i think to put it like you have story driven things that eventually you have to do and then when you get done with some of those you can go in and be like okay there's you know, six side quests for me to do if I want to go exploring. And I can get stronger before I go to the main quest sort of thing. And it's between, like, every major story arc. It's like, hey, we can go exploring again. So. Interesting. It's got a little bit of everything. So so my question, because the, the way that the question is posed in the show notes is, did video games peak in the SNES era or are they in a new renaissance? So... My my thought is, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that Robbie is saying the best games are from the SNES era, the, the 90s, and Eduardo is saying that they're now. Is that correct? I think we are both a little bit more nuanced than that, but yes, in <laughs> general speaking, sure. I think like Robbie's favorite game is Breath of the Wild, so obviously that is immediately a ball in my court. Um, but besides that, sure. In a general speaking, absolutely. Okay, so I'm going to tell you you're both wrong, <laughs> because right, well. 
because I am a man, like I said earlier, of agreeing with pretty much everybody, but I am also a scholar of data and data rules everything. And if the data says that you're both wrong, then you're wrong. So here's what I'm here to tell you. I found an article on Metacritic that has the top 50 Metacritic rated games of all time. And um, the, obviously the order from 50 to one, which they're ranked. And most of those games, and Robbie is looking at this right now so he can verify I'm not being an asshole. Most of those games are in the 2000 to 2010 range. Point of order about what Metacritic has wrong. Yes. Game reviews have dramatically expanded in the 2000s. So you have a lot of games that probably don't have enough data to really be covered on Metacritic. But you've you got small sample sizes. You don't think that people might have gone back and said, hey, we started reviewing games this way and like Ocarina of Time is a big deal. So let's give that another chance because it's number one on Metacritic. I will say 1998 Ocarina of Time is number one. So that's a point for Robbie. But most of these games, timeline-wise, mm -hmm. whether the convention is different or not, they still were highly rated in the 2000s. Well, look at this. What's the... You have one game on this prior to 1997. You think that's because don't. they don't... You Metacritic think, does. You think that's because reviews actually were never that high until 1997 and not that it's a sample size issue? Listen... They could go, both of these games that are in your era are games that are amazing and could Correct. be, could be re-reviewed. So that's my other thing. Why didn't they do that with other games? Because they're gonna, not that great. We're going to keep talking data then because I'll also say that's probably a selection bias. It's, it's, those games start being self-selecting because they are so great that they are getting multiple re revisionist reviews, probably a little bit amped up revision reviews because oh, Zelda got to give it a 10. But I really don't believe you that like Soul Calibur really, well, no, no, let's find something. Yeah, take here. a look let's, at it, man. Yeah, hold on. And I didn't make this list. I just assembled it. That's all I did. I looked at the list and it, then I looked up when the game was released. I'm also not making up this argument before because I've already found it. That's fine. It's not. It, the, the business of reviews prior to 2000-ish, or the late 90s probably, just can't be from post about the 64 PlayStation era, can't really be compared to prior. Why is that? Because the, the review business has expanded so much. Games get so much more, so many more reviews than they do now. And they're more documented. Like, how many reviews in magazines do you think aren't included in Metacritic because they don't even have any sort of uh, database of their past reviews? I mean, I, I can't say that you're wrong or that I disagree with you, but a lot of these games that are in here, except for a few weird ones like World of Goo. Yeah, right. Come on. You like, really think World of Goo is actually one of the 45 <laughs> greatest games of all time? According to Metacritic, it is. Okay. But a lot of these are really good games. And no, it's absolutely. It's hard to argue that. Absolutely. Um, but there's very few all called terrible. And but, like Super Mario Galaxy being fifth, like that just warms my heart because that game is actually really good. But the reason that I bring this up, and, and I will post this link so that everybody can kind of check out what I'm talking about. Um, I just threw all of this information <laughs> into my own little Excel spreadsheet because I'm a nerd like that. Um, but I think that the main reason I bring this up is not actually to say that either of you are wrong, even though I literally said that you're both wrong. What, 
the reason that I bring it up is because like, I think that this is such a hard question to answer Mm -hmm. because what makes a good game, obviously listening to both of you talk, what makes a good game varies so much from person to person. And so to say like that one era has better games than another era is a really, really tough thing to say unobjectively because what I care about is different from what you care about is different from what Eduardo cares about. And it's like these games, even though a lot of them are in the two thousands, they're kind of, they're still all over the place, Mm -hmm. you know, like breath of the wild and odyssey are both in there. That was last year. And then, the original Legend of Zelda and A Link to the Past, they're both in the top 50 as well. I don't know how World of Goo got in there, but people really <laughs> like it. Some people really like it. And here's what surprised me a lot. Like, even a lot of my favorite games, because I was reflecting on um, our very first episode, Eduardo, of what my favorite, my top five favorite games are of all time. And I was a little weirded out that not all of mine made it in there. And not uh, only one of yours made it in there. Uh, yeah, only one of yours, Eduardo. Bioshock Infinite is number 46 on Metacritic. Take that, Eduardo. And that's all you get. <laughs> and then for me, Bioshock, the original game is 17, and A Link to the Past is 39. But like Final Fantasy IX is on this list of top 50, but not Final Fantasy VII. And that's kind of when I had this realization of like, yeah, it's, it's really hard to mm-hmm. do a legitimate ranking, and it's really hard to say that one era is better than another because... Everything's all over the place. Yeah, I don't understand. Also, that. specifically Madden 2003. Yeah. No other Maddens. Specifically <laughs> yeah. Madden 2003. The number NFL. two game on this list is Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. <laughs> sure Which is. was good, too. Sure, that was but, good. The but music you, was can't, you can't tell me Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 is better than Super Mario Galaxy. Uh, Metacritic can. Yeah, no. Hey, the argument's over. Metacritic says Tony <laughs> yeah, Metacritic says Tony Hawk's no, Pro no. Skater 3 is number nine. How many Tony Hawk Pro Skater games are on this list? Three. Two, three, and Wait, four. really? Jesus. Yeah. Four is number I never even 49. Four. And three is uh, number nine. Yeah. I didn't even realize Tony Hawk was so revered. But the whole point is, yeah. is that all of us are right because we're all wrong. It's like we all have our own thing, and so it's hard to, to say that one is better than another. You know what I mean? Sure. Absolutely. And how I would actually answer the question in a way that is more boring for the podcast argument, but I feel like more <laughs> honest is that I think that right now we live in the best time there's ever been for video games and it will get better. I will say I believe the craft of making an intelligent, demanding and rewarding, creative video game has declined. I don't think as much much intelligence goes into the average game and there's there's much as ward. But I can still go out and play those games. I still have my Super Nintendo. I still have my Nintendo 64. I bought my SNES Mini emulators and so i can always go back and play those games plus plus i still get to be rewarded with you know if you're right and i i think you are because i wanted to play witcher 3 anyway i just wanted to listen talk about it i can still go back and play something modern a, a witcher 3 or a monster hunter that is rewarding and made in that same sort of sensibilities today whereas you now have your options and we're both happy right now like i, I may be sad about the direction games have gone, but ultimately I'm still happy. And my hobby is more socially acceptable than it was in those days. And we are in the renaissance of indie games. So I still get some new games that are in that older style, like Shovel Knight and stuff like that. So I, I will agree with Peaches that it, it's a difficult question and it's, there's no correct answer because we all have different tastes. 
And while I will stand by my arg- my comment that made you angry, I will also say that we are still in the best era of video gaming. Sure. Look yeah, at that I, happy ending. <laughs> I know. I agree. Uh, basically, what I heard there was, Eduardo, you win. Um, uh. And so... <laughs> Also, if you want to get Witcher 3, it is currently on sale for $20, and that includes both of the expansions for it. So, if you're looking to play, now's the time. Did you get a cut for that? Uh, I wish. I, you know what? One day. One day I'll get a cut for that. Ad. We got our Blizzard cut because of you earlier, so okay, thanks good. for that, man. Oh, we appreciate that. <laughs> We're going to BlizzCon. I'm just going to add that into every episode. We're going to BlizzCon. Everyone um, remember that. But I think that's going to do it for this episode of Squad Up. We do currently have a poll on the Squad Up Facebook asking what we should play for our next game of the month, which will be in June. Um, Currently, Nier Automata is winning. Um, If you have any other games that you'd like to suggest, or if you just want to agree that Nier Automata is the game that we should play, visit us at facebook.com slash squaduppodcast. Uh, If you want to email the show, email it at squaduppodcast at gmail.com we would love to hear your feedback about anything that we've talked about maybe you have an opinion about this let us know just uh give us a give us a shout and we'll even read it on the show now peaches you do all kinds of stuff out there on the interwebs let the folks know where they can find you i'm gonna do that but i'm gonna defer to robbie do you have anything you want to plug do you want people to know about you i mean if you want idle tweets about uh theme parks and baseball then you can follow me at, at philkid3 but uh, that's about it yeah i really tend to decidedly enjoy half of robbie's tweets <laughs> he does a lot of rankings the definitive rankings of oh, yeah. blank so if you like rankings follow robbie on twitter really? famous sports writers follow me for some reason and i've yet to justify that <laughs> as far as uh as far as my life goes as always come hang out with me on twitch uh, twitch.tv slash peaches uh, follow me on Twitter, D underscore peaches. And please, um, please vote on that poll because Nier Automata is a big game. <laughs> and I, I'm excited to possibly play it, but um, we will only really have the month of June. We're trying to get our game of the month to actually start at the beginning of the month and then take the whole month. So um, we want your opinions. We appreciate you guys listening to us so often. Thank you so much. And um, that pretty much does it for me. So see you next time. All right, folks. Uh, once again, you can follow the show at Squad Up Podcast on Twitter. You can follow it on Facebook at Squad Up Podcast. You can follow me at ABCD Eduardo on Twitter. Follow uh, me on Twitch at ABC Eduardo. Um, and that's going to do it for the show. Now, as they say, good luck. Have fun. Shamalama Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.